Get ready to challenge conventional beliefs about what's possible in creating health, wealth, and happiness. You are listening to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge. This hit show is providing you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. It is time to open and expand your awareness, accelerate your well-being as Megan shares wisdom, teachings, and experience from a lifelong journey of the heart. Enact the power of radical change with ease and lift your desires to a new perspective. Now, here's Playing on the Edge Radio. Oh, boy. Megan Edge, I'm Dr. Pat. This is Playing on the Edge Radio, and we are taking on the conversation, are you ready, on the edge of love, Love. on the edge of love. Uh, (laughs) Megan, before we jump ahead into this, I want to talk with you about the topic, but I also want to talk with you about the topic as it relates to your body of work, right, and what you do for a minute. Because whether or not people know you as this fabulous coach, this incredible trainer, healer, uh, everyone does know you as Megan Edge, clearly from the heart, Mm. right? And that's really part of, I think, everything that you infuse into your show. Whether we're talking about this fabulous book that you've written, whether it's your photography, it really has this infused edge of love in it. And I think today's show, it really is part of that bigger conversation as well, isn't it? It absolutely is. And thank you so much for saying all of that, um, Pat. I could feel that that came from your heart in such a beautiful way. It, it is absolutely accurate to say that everything I do, I at least try to always come from my heart, from that heart space of true authenticity, um, true intention, true integrity, and all of that is heartfelt and heart bound. But it isn't always easy to trust our heart above all other voices. And for me, part of my healing journey was when I saw a bumper sticker that said, trust your heart above all other voices. And that became a mantra for me as I went through a really difficult time in my life when I was separating out from my marriage of 23 years and all that that entails. And that quote was such a beautiful reminder for me to always come back to what is it that my heart needs and wants and learning how to trust that my heart is always looking out for what is for my best interest and what is in my highest good, as well as in the highest good and best interest for the people that I am immediately responsible for. And so when I teach, when I work with clients, when I do my photography, when I write, all of that starts from that place in my heart of how can I do this work to the best of my ability so that it has the best impact in the best way possible for the people who receive it and all of that coming from that place of the heart Mm. first and foremost. And I know that's in the work you do as well, isn't it? It it really is. And, you know, I was really struck by it after the fact, after we talked uh, about the show, the upcoming show, I was really thinking about this a little bit um, because, you know, when we look at where, where does the love, where does the love come from? Right. Where does love come from? 
we yeah. have to go back, back, back in time, right? And and go back to uh, our parents. And that's where you're taking us from, the journey right. from that, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, we're starting at the basics of our experience of love, the foundation of how it is that we trust or don't trust love, how we allow it into our lives or push it away, how we let ourselves be loved, all of that all of that foundation begins at a very, very early, early point in our lives. And research is now showing us that it actually begins from the moment of conception. And spiritually, we could even add to that. It comes, it, it starts even before conception. It starts with the, um, almost the implanting of the idea of creating life through our union with another person and through our bodies. And in the moment of that intention, even thinking about what would it be like to have a child, we're already infusing our body with either a really positive response to that question or possibly not a positive response to that question. And whatever little soul being decides to share this life with us um, gets to, I think, have a choice as to what those early experiences are going to be like for whatever it is that that soul needs in its life journey and so for some of us that soul path of love is one of ease and trust and we were loved up as little kids and we never had to fight for love or prove that we were lovable and then for some of us that wasn't our that wasn't our story that wasn't the family we chose that wasn't how we first showed up in the world and those early experiences energetically of being wanted and being accepted unconditionally really become the foundation for how we show up as adults in the world and what kind of experiences we have of love. Yeah. I mean, it's really fascinating when we think about this because we're not just talking about the minute of our birth or inception. We're talking about also, you know, these early, early wounds that could happen, even wounds that may happen while, you know, mother is carrying you along the way. We we now know a lot about that in today's world. We now know a lot about that. We also know about the energy of emotional responses, mm-hmm. right? And I, I don't think we talk about that enough. Now, I'm coming off being around uh, four generations uh, for uh, this past week. And of course, Linda was around four generations for longer than that, you know, while she was up in, both of us up in Vermont. And I was really acutely aware of what you and I were talking about, right? I was aware of the energy of this, of how we as adults are around these youngsters, Mm -hmm. even when they may not be acting the best that they could be. Um, How, what is your experience of watching this? And how we operate as adults uh, to either form love or lovingness within a child or not. I, I believe that a lot of how we as adults relate to children and create an environment for them that is either one of acceptance and love or not. Um, it comes from our own childhood experiences, certainly. And it also comes from our ability to grow up as we get older and not all of us do <laughs> there's a lot of grown-ups walking around out there in with the mind of an eight-year-old or the emotional maturity of an eight-year-old so that their their child experiences are leading their interactions with others 
I, I believe that as adults, we have the capacity, we have the choice to decide if we're ready as adults to bring love into our relationships in a healthy way. And when we are able to do that, it allows us to be in the presence of children, I think, in a much more aware and awake way with an understanding of the impact that our behavior and acceptance of children has on the child's sense of himself or herself. And ultimately, it is that relationship with ourself that becomes the most important relationship. And how we think of ourselves comes from those early childhood experiences of how the adults in our lives related to us. And you're right, we can be walking around with a lot of wounding that the adults in our lives may not even have understood or realized they were impacting on us. And that wounding can get in the way of our adult relationships with each other, as well as our ability to create an environment that's really positive for a child's development and sense of themselves so that they can bring that healthy sense of self into all of their relationships as they as they grow up and as they mature. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because I spent a lot of time with this four-year-old, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things that he got to do uh, throughout the day and maybe at night a little bit is watch this television show called Paw Patrol, P-A-W, Paw Patrol, okay. about these do- these puppies, right, that were like this you know, patrol squad and, you know, animation in today's world is like mega, right? And so I found myself every time Connor uh, had time to do his Paw Patrol, usually that meant you you let him watch an hour of Paw Patrol and mom gets some quiet time, right? Mm-hmm. I found myself right there with him, like glued to the television set. So yeah. somebody made a comment to me, uh, something like, what's the matter with you? Didn't you have a childhood or something like that? Like, you know, a comment about, uh, you know, why would you want to watch Paw Patrol? So this is after you and I spoke. And and I said, actually, and by the way, this this little four-year-old says actually all the time. So I said, actually, I really didn't have much of a childhood. And I said, so for me, I'm watching this Paw Patrol with this amazing child, Connor, with a a childlike perspective, Mm. right? So they were all amazed that I could relate to him at that level. And I actually was amazed myself, except for the fact that you and I spoke last week. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that when we're talking about love, There are many levels of love Mm -hmm. and there are many layers of love, which you're going to address today. But the real question is, can we meet each other at that place? Mm -hmm. Do we know how to meet each other at that place to find a place of love? You know, what does Rumi say? Beyond the fields of right or wrongdoing, I'll meet you there. Are we able to find that place of love, even, even if that's not what's coming at us? We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about these moments of love. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite things, the first 
crush. <laughs> that first crush, that first time. Can any of y'all remember that first time when you were like, hmm, I got that little tingling feeling going on in there. When we come back, we're going to talk about that, what it means, and how that feels to have that outside of the family love. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Megan Edge is in the house today playing on the Edge Radio on the Edge of Love. By the way, we're taking your questions. We're we're taking your comments. Uh, 1-800-930-2819. That is our call-in number. 1-800-930-2819. We'd like to hear from you. Who was your first crush? I think you're going to be a little surprised when you hear Megan and mine. Who was your first crush? And no, don't text me that. No, I didn't have mine when I was 40. We'll be right back. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L, on the Tracy L Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at tracylclark.com. Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. If you've ever had a broken heart, you know how painful that can be and how long it can sometimes take to heal it. I'm Megan Edge, author of The Heart's Journey, Healing Hearts, Oracle Cards, and Guidebook, published with Balboa Press and Hay House. In The Heart's Journey, I share with you my own heartbreak and how I healed it through the beautiful hearts that found me in nature. From taking photographs of these hearts for myself I've created this beautiful toolkit, which includes the guidebook, which has my story, how to work with Oracle cards as a healing tool, and the story of each of these hearts as they cross my path. I've also created a beautiful journal. There's a pen, a bookmark, and of course, the 42 Healing Hearts Oracle cards. You can order the Hearts Journey, Healing Hearts Oracle cards, and guidebook through my website, meganedge.ca, through Balboa Press, Amazon, and many other places online or your local shops. I look forward to hearing about your heart's healing. Calling all ladies. Are you struggling with neck, back, shoulder pain, or postural issues? You actually might have a related bra problem. Talk to Maria Monti at The Healthy Bra Company. She is a professional postural therapist who offers custom-fitted, custom-altered bras in 2,500 size combinations specific to your body type, shape, size, anatomical features, and breast weight. Call Maria today to find out more at 360-815-3205. The Empty Toolbox. Fire it up, fill it up, and flow it up with Meg Thompson. 
Tune in the first Wednesday every month, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in to engage in the three essential F's of an overflowing toolbox. If you are looking for strategies that work and how to implement them, the Empty Toolbox is for you. For more information or to listen to this show, visit MegThompson.com. What is holding you back from living the life you are meant to live? Why is it vital to believe in something bigger than yourself? Are you in physical or emotional pain? Tune in monthly to Vibrant Purposeful Living. Awaken the vibrant life within you with Lou Paradise and Dr. Pat on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Lou's passion is to help everyone experience positive solutions for life. Find out more about Lou with Vibrant Purposeful Living at LouParadise.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, You know, before we continue talking about On the Edge of Love, um, uh, and we'll also talk about, you know, our recap of where does love begin and then where do you go from there? Megan, how can people find out more about you, find out about your programs, all of the above? Lots of places that people can uh, connect with me, Pat. There's through my Facebook, uh, yes, through my Facebook at Megan Edge, uh, send me a friend request, or Megan Edge Healing is my business Facebook page. We're also on YouTube at Megan Edge Healing, and I put out a, a new video at least once a week. Sometimes it's candid, just me chatting in front of my computer. Other times it's things that we've pulled out from workshops, bits of wisdom, bits of learning and, and uh, training that I do through my YouTube channel. And of course, the website, which is www meganedge.ca awesome (laughs) and then people can find out more about how to take classes with you certification all of the above yes all of that is available through my website and also you can connect with me again through facebook or linkedin i'm on linkedin and transformation talk radio through our um, host page as well so lots of places lots of all right Uh, We'll give out lots more information. I want to go back to talking a little bit about, uh, you know, us talking about our parents and our love of our parents as well. Because, you know, part of this is you create things to really usher in the spirit of that and spirit of love. And I know you created two new nature essences, which we'll talk about. But, you know, we were talking about our parents and how our parents shape us. But I think we should also talk about what we're not saying about that a little bit. Yes, I want to be really clear when we talk about the foundation of our experience of ourself and of love, that we're not blaming any of our understandings of ourselves as adults on our parents or our parents' behavior. There's enough mom blame that goes on already (laughs) that it's all mom's fault. That's not what this is about. This is about a, a greater awareness of the interaction that occurs at a cellular level between a mother and the developing child, not only what's going on for the mother emotionally and physically and health-wise, but also the people around the mother. So the immediate other adults or other children that are um, impacting the mom's experience of her pregnancy. And to be very clear as well that even when we may have absorbed 
I don't know, we, you can call them negative for lack of a better word, but experiences or, or feelings or emotions from the mother or the immediate other parent, that doesn't set us up for life because we have this beautiful thing called free will and self-responsibility. And I feel that when we're able to get to a point in our lives where we can direct that self-responsibility to ourselves, we can begin to appreciate our parents for who they really were as they were as we were growing up with them. And they were to the best of their ability, doing the best they could with what they knew under the circumstances and at the time. And that kind of knowing allows for an understanding of them as human beings and people and, and what they were bringing into that relationship with us and that that relationship can change and that we can heal it. And that's really the foundation of the mother wounding and father wounding work that I do with my clients is to help them create a new relationship and understanding with that parental influence, not necessarily to go to a place of forgiveness right away or even understanding, but of appreciation for all the different things that create our sense of who we are and that we have the ability and the free will to change our own relationship with ourselves and to be able to take those early childhood experiences, whatever they were, good, bad, or indifferent, and give them meaning and purpose in our lives in a way to better understand who we are so that we can open ourselves up to loving, healthy relationships with each other, whether that's our mother, our father, mm -hmm. our siblings, our partner, our spouse, our own children. The more that we can do our own work around our, our early experiences of being loved, the better we can stand in our sense of self and then be able to have more positive relationships with people. And that creates this beautiful ripple effect where we really do send love out into the world with the expectation that we will be able to receive it equally. Mm. So we're not blaming. <laughs> no, we're not. I mean, I think that, you know, the body of work that you do and certainly the whole show that I do and been doing and the network is about listening to understand. Mm -hmm. It's about understanding. And and if we can if we can listen to understand and we can paint a picture so that people can enter a new doorway of possibilities, then we've achieved something. And that has always been our goal. Um, and when we think about this and we think about love, and as I said before, the many faces of love, right? Uh, I mean, come on, you know, there's an entire best-selling book called 50 Shades of Gray. And, <laughs> you know, many people will, many people would like to say it has nothing to do with love, but it does in a lot of ways. It has to do with self-love. Yes. Uh, it has to do with love outside of the family origin. Let's talk about that for a minute. Because we now know that growing up, we have an opportunity to love our parents, love our siblings, you know, those people. Mm -hmm. But then one day, somewhere along the way, we also now are feeling a little something for somebody that's not in our family, the crush. That's right. right. Yep, that puppy love. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Oh, that's such a great question. I think it comes <laughs> from connection. You know, it's, um, there's a certain, we get to a certain point in our development around the age of four, where we start to move away from the safety net of the immediate family and start looking outside of that nest for our interactions with other people. And you, you can see little kids who have these crushes on each other and it's so cute and they're holding hands or they're hugging or they're in a way naturally exuding their 
attraction to one another, not in an adult sexual way, but in very much that beautiful, innocent, oh, hi, I recognize you. I like you a whole lot. Um, And in a sense, it's giving them that opportunity to stand in confidence in their relationships with other people. They they practice um, through that that early connection. (laughs) You were saying earlier uh, that our audience might be surprised at who our first crushes were. (laughs) And and since we talked last week in planning the show, I was thinking about that a lot because I had these two people outside of my family who became my early crushes from like three, maybe three, four years old. I also remembered a crush that was more more to my immediate surrounding. So so the two crushes that I had that were outside of my family were with the Fawns. Anybody remembers Happy Days? <laughs> the Fawns. The Fawns and I, we were going to run away. We were going to get married. We were going to do all of that. I used to dream about him. I loved watching Happy Days. I would just sit there like this and stare at him because there was something about him that, that gave me that first feeling of, ooh, that's interesting. And then the other one I remembered over the weekend was Grizzly Adams. And again, this is probably dating me. That's totally okay. (laughs) Grizzly Adams was like the St. Francis de Sisi of the North. And he was a big teddy bear of a guy. And he actually had a bear cub as one of his (laughs) characters on the show. And there was something about him that I felt um, a real attraction to the safety that I felt from him. I guess the Fonz was the excitement that a three-year-old could figure out. And the and Grizzly Adams was that that man who could come in and just take, take care of me the way he took care of his pet bear or whatever it was. <laughs> and then around the same time, there was a, a boy on my street who was a friend of the family. And that would have been my first actual face-to-face experience of feeling that kind of pull, that kind of draw towards somebody and that opportunity to experiment with that and see what that was mm-hmm. all about at four mm-hmm. or five. Yeah. Well, I, I love that we're talking about this because I really had some opportunity to think about it over the weekend and chat a little bit with Linda about it. Um, mm-hmm. Because I've talked about on air a million times the fact that my first uh, conversation with the psychiatrist, Dr. Jacoby, uh, had to do with the fact that I thought I was Elvis Presley at like eight years old. <laughs> okay. Now, I had an Elvis guitar. Uh, I, I totally like channeled Elvis completely. Uh, and you know, I I mean, when you're that young, people are like, what is wrong with her? What, what is she doing? Well, nowadays, nobody cares. The fact that you think you're Mick Jagger and want to dress up like Mick Jagger, that's for, but like back in the day, I literally was, I swear now I look back and I know I was channeling Elvis. I know it. I watched all the Elvis movies, all his music, knew all his songs, but I didn't consider him like a crutch. I just thought I was Elvis. Right. Um, right. You embodied Elvis. I, I embodied Elvis. But I shared with you one thing I forgot, and this is not my first crush, but it had to be my stepmom, my mom's. She I know this now that I think about it. Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. was like, that was it for my mom. Yeah. Totally it. And I can remember my mom and my dad having these arguments 
over Marilyn Monroe versus Jane Mansfield. <laughs> I really, and my dad was all the Jane Mansfield. Mm -hmm. But my mom was so struck with Marilyn Monroe's story. Mm. She was so struck with her story yeah. and related to her because my stepmom, as you know, was this gorgeous early 20-ish woman, blonde hair, blue eyes, absolutely gorgeous, my stepmom. And I think she related to that icon, iconic feature. Mm -hmm. And so the other day I said to you, absolutely without a doubt, my first crush was Natalie Wood in Gypsy Rose Lee. Gypsy, mm -hmm. the movie Gypsy. And I have to ask myself, how did I even get it? How did I, I mean, did we even have ratings back then? I don't know. But this movie of Gypsy about the lesser talented sister. And so I literally thought to myself, why was I so enamored with this actor and this character? And I and I and I really started to look at it to the point where I'm going to rent the movie again. But my mom must have taken me to my stepmom must have gone to the movies with me to see that movie. And I just thought about this for a little bit. And I thought about why is it that we don't allow young boys and girls to admire and love who they want to in their first crush. I mean, don't you think we've gotten better about that? But I actually think my mom was like, okay, yeah, I love her too. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we can talk about the first crush, but I think we continue as we go through our lives to have these crushes. Yeah. Even, even after we've experienced true love, whatever that looks like for us, even after we've had that, that real visceral, physical and heart pounding and, and all of that, response to another person we can still continue to have these attractions to other people male or female doesn't matter that that really is a reflection of that very early first exploration um, with a crush and th often the crush is a, a safe way it's our first safe opportunity to feel what it feels like in our body to have that attraction with another person that first crush, though, can also be really powerful in terms of shaping a person's expectation of what should happen in relationship or can happen in relationship. Mm. Um, and when we talk about the varying shades of love, you know, we have to slip into their desire and we have to also add in lust and we have to look at the different kinds of triggers that we all have that lets us know when that little, that little light bulb's gone off of, ooh, that person right, right over there mm. you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to have a huge long relationship with them and get married and have the white picket fence and all right, of that. Right. But it's, it's in recognizing that we can feel attraction to all kinds of different people under all sorts of different circumstances. And I find that what can often happen, especially with that first crush is the way in which the rest of the world responds to us when we're in that first crush can have a big influence on how we expect and anticipate love to show up for us as adults. And again, that can be a positive experience or not, mm -hmm. depending on what that reaction was. How is it different, if you could, how are these idealizations, how are they different for boys and girls, or are they? 
you know, I know they start at an early age in our culture. And, and actually, we're talking about the United States here and Canada, of course, North America, we're talking about here. We're not talking about like a generalization for the rest of the world. We're talking about our experiences. But, mm. you know, how are these expectations for boys and girls? And do you think that's changed since the Gypsy Rose Lee days? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think it's changed since last week, even. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're still hearing stories about other people's reactions to somebody's sense of themselves, gender identity, or who mm -hmm. they're attracted to. And it's still, in many communities, very limited to what is allowable or considered respectable in terms of how we relate to one another. Mm -hmm. I do feel like I know in my community of Victoria, I know how my girls are growing up in their schools. They're receiving a very different kind of education around inclusiveness and allowing expression in terms of their sense of self and their relationship with others and being encouraged to look at their, their different ideas of gender um, affiliation or gender focus and attraction and letting, and letting it be healthy to explore that. That wasn't the case when I was growing up. But then I also don't remember there being any specific restrictions when I was growing up in terms of what my parents' expectations were of me in relationship. And then around the age of 12 to 14, I started to recognize, oh, well, I also really like that girl over there. Right. And, and it came as as not a shock to me to say, to recognize that within myself and say, well, really it's about who I love. It's not about what gender they are. Mm -hmm. right? It's about who they are as a person. It's about how they think and what they feel and, and how they show up in the world and what is important to them and what their morals are and what their mm -hmm. values are. And they can come in any kind of skin and they can come in any kind of shape. Yeah. Because the attraction and the connection is, is deeper than just what's on the surface. So I do think that kids these days in our neck of the woods are being mm -hmm. given for the most part an opportunity to question and look at love and relationships in ways that we didn't, excuse me, didn't, weren't, that just wasn't available mm -hmm. to us. Um, but then when you add on to that, things like society's ideas and expectations, religion's ideas and expectations, the stereotype of the white picket fence and the man going off to work and the woman staying home and looking after the children, that whole pink and blue work arena. I think that's still alive and well um, because it's been so many generations, so much conditioning around how men and women should relate to one another. Never mind how women and women should relate to one another or men and men mm. relate to one another. So I do think that there is still a different expectation for how a young girl, a young woman, a, a mature woman is expected or hoped to be in love and what that's like for a man and because at the end of the day men and women are different yeah right? so even if we have the same set of expectations around relationship and love we're going to have different experiences of it yeah based just on our bodies never mind our upbringing and all the other things that we've been talking about oh yeah and you know we're getting a real clear message of how different we might be today yet at the same time there are some universals. We're going to take our last break now. And when we come back, what is it about the words I do that may or may not work for everybody? The message of marriage, the ultimate expression of true love. Uh, really? Or not. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, doggy, we're going to find out more about that when we come back. Uh, what I'd like to do, Benny, as well, is we would like to open up the phone lines now uh, for the first caller, 1-800-930-2819. And you will receive Megan's Healing Trust Chakra Crystal Essence Spray. When we come back, we'll tell you about that. We're going to talk about the I do thing that sometimes turns out to be more of an I don't. Why, where, how, and when. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. into the wisdom of animals, angels, and masters with Darcy Pariso on Animal Soul Wisdom Radio. Tune in monthly as Darcy brings insights on how to better understand and deepen our relationships with animals. Working with light and pureness of ancient techniques, Darcy, healer, animal communicator, and medium is here to guide you through this process and provide inspiration to move forward. For more information about working with Darcy, visit DarcyPariso.com. Learn about the heart and soul of justice. In Law and Disorder Radio, Megan Lyons will be raising the universal consciousness by empowering listeners with their own inner strength. Megan will show you how to find true healing and inner peace through the art and practice of self-love. From victim to victor. Tune in every first and third Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. For more information about Megan Lyons, visit her website, enterthelightllc.com. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Tune in to E3 Influence Radio. Own your impact. Master your world. In this new hit show, Sarah Luce, empowerment coach and spiritual mentor, teaches us how to achieve our greatest potential to positively affect everything and everyone. The time is now to enlighten our minds, empower our hearts, and take energized action to raise the consciousness of our planet. Sarah shows us how with simple, easy-to-implement steps. To find out more about Sarah Luce and her E3 Influence program, visit sarahluce.com. Do you believe you are meant to live with more joy, but you're just not sure how to get it? What does the phrase, give me the joy, make you feel? Join me, Lynn Horde, every second and fourth Thursday, 9am Pacific, 12pm Eastern, on the Gimme the Joy Show, as I take you on a journey to peel back the layers so you can take back your joy. To find out more about my work as a joy coach, including my popular programs, Joy School and Joy at Work, visit lynnhorde.com. High-frequency healing for an amazing life with Source Light Radio. Join host Laura Barton each month on Transformation Talk Radio as she explores Source Light Integration, a unique spectrum of energy, light, and frequency. Experience instantaneous healing and amazing shifts in consciousness with Source Light Integrations Radio. For more information on Laura and her work, visit SourceLightIntegrations.com.
That's what I'm talking about. All right. We have the show up. We've got Elvis showing up. <laughs> Dr. Jacoby is rolling in his grave right now. <laughs> I remember I my hair was w- way darker. Uh, I actually have dark hair. And I remember going up and getting that stuff that my dad used to put on his hair. What was that called? Uh, Vitalis, right? Okay. I don't know if that, uh, am I going to get in trouble for mentioning that, Benny? Vitalis. And so I remember sneaking in there and getting some of that. Oh, my gosh. It took at least three days to get all that out of my head. I just like plowed that in there. So Uh, what was it about being Elvis that gave you such a charge? I, well, when I think back to it, it was the music. It was the guitar Mm -hmm. and the music and the dancing and the singing. Um, It it was more about that, right? Mm -hmm. It was something about that, that I related to as a really, you know, really young child. Uh, Fast forward to where we are today, I still relate to it. But there was something about that that gave me such an incredible sense of freedom to Mm -hmm. just be crazy Elvis child. Right. Like just to be like a crazy dancing Elvis little child. And I think that for me was so counter to the family that I was being raised in. Mm -hmm. Now, my stepmom, not so much. She loved music. So, I mean, what we're talking about today is how we get influenced by love and mm-hmm. where do we go from there? Now, yeah. you know, white picket fence we talked about before, you know, but question is, what are we looking for in love? Is it really the I do, the signature? What are we really looking for? And what is it about our journey where we can't figure that out? And mm-hmm. then once we get it, we don't really like it. Or <laughs> okay, now I'm speaking about my own experience right there. <laughs> Making it personal. <laughs> That's a little personal. Well, when as you're asking that, that posing that question, um, what what's coming to mind is a theory that I have about about relationship, which is that every relationship has a life force of its own, and each time we come together in relationship, we do so with an agreement and an understanding on some other level of consciousness and awareness of what it is that we are coming together for. Mm. What are we coming together to accomplish? What are we coming together to heal? What kind of growth are we going to allow each other to have within the context of that relationship? And I'm talking about any kind of relationship, not mm. just that primary I do, let's become husband and wife or wife and wife or husband and husband. It's that understanding that we come together for a reason, that there are no wrong relationships. What that means when I say a relationship has a life force is the same with any life force. Sometimes the life force is complete. You know, the tree falls in the forest because it's grown to the most that it can grow. And now it needs to move on to do something else with its life, like become a nursery log for other plants to grow on. I think that we have this idea with the I do when we say forever and forever until death do we part or whatever we say these days with this expectation that this one person is going to be this person to complete us and to always love us unconditionally and to always bring out the best in us. But at the same time, counterintuitive to that is this idea that we can't change. Once we've met that person and we've fallen in love with that ideal expression of themselves, they're not allowed to change. They have to stay that way. 
And that's not what we do as people. We grow and we evolve and we do change. And it is often when one person in that relationship changes in a way that the other person doesn't feel comfortable with or gets triggered by that begins that recognition that perhaps the life force of that relationship is complete. The things that you've chosen to come together for, you've done. Mm. And we were talking about this, I think, when we were when we were playing the show about wouldn't it be amazing if you could wake up and be puce when you realize that, okay, we're done. <laughs> that was lovely. Thanks so much. Um, really appreciate all the great times we had together. But now it's time to open up space for something new in our lives. And to allow that to be as equally an expression of love for one another as is standing in front of our community and our loved ones and saying, I, I do to this other person. Right? That there could be an understanding of a beginning, a middle, and an end. And whether that end is because two people separate for various reasons, or that end is because one of them dies, or, you know, however it ends up, that that's a natural completion to relationship and to love, to allow that, um, that change to happen for each other. Mm. I think we'd have a lot less family law uh, lawyers. I think there'd be a lot less money being made. Yeah on the backs of what we call broken relationships, if we changed our understanding and idea about what a relationship is mm -hmm. and why we have them and why they're important. Well, you know, I think about my, my first marriage, we yeah. got married, right? Yeah, we got yeah. married. We did the whole ring and the I do and the engagement. <laughs> and we got married in front of our friends and family with a justice of the peace. It was a beautiful wedding. People said it was the best wedding they'd ever been to. It was, it was really beautiful. And we got married with the intention that we were going to then until death do we part right? But life gets in the way sometimes. Change happens. And we found ourselves 13 years later, after a 23-year relationship with one another, no longer in the same place, no longer with the same ideals, and no longer with the same dreams and desires. My second marriage, we didn't do any of that. We didn't go and get the marriage license. We got married on the beach in front of our cottage, in front of our friends and family, and my daughters married us. And we live common law. That's the, the term in Canada. It's we're equally married as far as we're concerned. Right? But we decided to do it a different way as a different expression because it's a different relationship. So I think if we're able to step outside of the expectation and idea that getting married is the ultimate expression of love between two people. And if you don't have that, then somehow it, the relationship is suspect and move into allowing relationships to be what each relationship needs to be that that wounding that we carry around with us from the broken heart could be easier to heal possibly in a shorter period of time if we could step out of those expectations. Yeah. I mean, I think what you just said is a message for everybody. It is a powerful message to really one, as you said earlier, and I know this is the body of work you do with people, Megan. Mm -hmm. It's one to understand what meaning our past has right? Mm -hmm. On our present and on our future. What is the meaning of, of it? Um, it's not going to be the same for everyone. I know you do this in your classes. I know you do it in your certification. So it's important to get a sense of that. And then to really take a look at, you know, what the all knowing lovingness is within each of us. And we are talking about the love of God and goddess. We are talking about you know, an energy life force that's within us. Um, you know, what is it, for example, that you do um, that helps people 
with trust and opening up ourselves and healing those love wounds. Because I don't know about you, but I really had to do some stuff on some early childhood wounds, right? And not just like one time with some magic potion. I didn't take the red pill, right, (laughs) for the the journey. Um, But we're talking about things that can be done. This is not about pie in the sky. This is about let's heal some stuff, folks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We are 99.9% of the population walking around wounded from one thing or another because we're not growing up in a culture right now that really allows us to explore what it feels like to be in pain. I mean, really, our pain and our wounding can have a very uncomfortable effect on the people around us if they equally don't know what to do with that, that kind of emotion, that kind of heartbreak. And I was, I was saying earlier that, that that initial mother-father relationship is that it's our first experience of love and it can be our first experience of heartbreak when we don't receive the love in a way that we feel we need or that we want, um, that we have to fight for it or we have to prove that we're lovable, we take that into every other relationship that we have, including our relationship with God or the divine. Because if we can't be in a place of loving ourselves, it's going to be really challenging for us to allow other people to love us, including God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I, think, I think that's why it's such a problematic relationship for so many people, the relationship between themselves and the divine, however they perceive that, because they're walking around with this wound around self-worth that has come from those very early relationship experiences. And, they, and we could have a beautiful childhood and we could be loved unconditionally in our families and then have that heartbreak come elsewhere. And let that experience become our definition of ourselves and our and our ability to be lovable. And all of that can be healed, Pat. All of it. Mm. I've, I've watched my clients and my students come to this beautiful place of realizing how special they actually are and how much they deserve a good, healthy relationship with themselves primarily. And then by extension a relationship that reflects that with the people around them. And and as you say, a huge piece of that is trust. And my theory, my my experience and my theory around trust is this, (laughs) love can only take us so far Mm. unless we're willing to trust. Yeah. And what I've been witnessing recently and and what's been coming through in my teachings is this beautiful place in our body called the ninth chakra. It comes here. It's between our solar plexus and our heart. So we come back into our bodies in order to experience this beautiful bridge between our relationship center, which is our solar plexus, and our heart, which is our love center. And it's the trust center. It's ultimate trust. I call it the God spot. It's the trust that we belong here. We have a reason for being here. We have a purpose for being here. And that all of those fears that show up in the middle of the night, that we're not good enough, that we don't deserve to be loved and in loving relationships and and whatever else may be showing up for you, that all of that is an illusion that serves a really good purpose in that it brings us back to the question of, can I trust myself to make wise choices in relationship based on what I know I want for myself 
in those relationships. And you were talking about my chakra crystal trust spray. Yeah. When I started working with the ninth chakra and when the information started to come in for me and I started doing workshops on the ninth chakra, this beautiful combination showed up in my intuition to create a spray for that ninth chakra. And I have sprays for all the other chakras that I work with too. This is, this is the ultimate one right now is the ninth chakra in which there is a gem of Moldavite. And if you're familiar with gems and with Moldavite, you know that that's a, that's a called a tektite. So it's a, it's a gem that was created when meteors came and hit the earth. Yeah, so the wow. fusion of the divine and, and the earth and the groundedness of the earth in that, um, in that stone. And then there's this really beautiful combination of essential oils all of which helps to ground you in your intention to do your trust wounding work so that you can learn how to trust love. So love can really be what you lead with. But when we say coming from the heart, that's what we were talking about. And it doesn't mean trust that you should go down a dark alley. Like if, you're, if your body tells you don't go down a dark alley, then trust that information, right? It's not about blindly trusting everybody. It's about learning to trust yourself learning to trust your body's reactions to other people, doing your work around how am I showing up in the world and how am I relating to other people and what difference am I making in this relationship between love and trust. And I feel like until we are able to really see the fusion between love and trust and able to do our love wound work and our trust wound work, we're going to continue to repeat the same patterns that we've brought into our adult relationships and the way that we relate to one another. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that you said, and maybe that's our next show to do a show on trust, mm -hmm. uh, is that without it in pretty much, pretty much across the board, um, we literally go nowhere. Yeah. We go nowhere. Um, and trusting ourselves and our own guidance and the pathway you just talked about is important. But the other thing I know about the work you do, Megan, and the work you do with people is, you know, your ability to help people see the best of who they are, love who they are, is one of the most massively brilliant gateways to trust. Because without that work you do, it's not going to be an easy uh, uh, paddle across the river. So thank you for all of that. How can people find out about you, Megan? And thank you for today. Oh, thank you for today too, Pat. I loved doing this show with you. <laughs> this is a big one, boy. It is, it is a big one. And we've just scratched the surface on so much of it. Uh, I do have a number of workshops that I've created on the ninth chakra that people can find through my YouTube channel, Megan Edge Healing on YouTube. You can pop over there and look up ninth chakra, give them those thumbs up and subscribe and all the things that we're expected to do on YouTube. There's some really brilliant and beautiful exercises that I share in those workshops on the ninth chakra to really help kickstart your own work around healing your trust wounds. And then if you want to work with me personally on this, then reach out to me through email, meganedge.ca or through the website, which is www.meganedge.ca. It's really easy to find me. I've made it really easy. Just look up Megan Edge or Megan Edge Healing and you'll find all the different ways that you can get in touch with me. And I would love to hear from you. I really really sincerely from my heart and not just the bottom of my heart but my whole heart i would love to hear how are you and how can i help you you've been listening to playing on the edge radio with megan edge tune in each month on transformation talk radio and the dr pat show network 
providing you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. If you've missed any part of this episode or want to find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca.